Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Hi, greetings. Welcome in on your Tuesday morning, April 12, 2022. It is 6:10, degrees outside right now in the capital city. 52? 52 because... Folks, buckle up. We may be heading to the 90s today. And no, I don't mean tight rolling your jeans and talking about Husker football success. Wow, that is I am talking gold transition. <laughs> I am talking about the temperatures that we may see today. Oh, don't worry. You like crappy weather? You like cold weather? Oh, it's coming. Easter Sunday, 49. Monday the 18th, 46. So plenty of that still left in store. But today, get those cargo shorts on. Uh, get the kids out to the pool, uh, wherever you can find one open. Run the sprinkler, let the kids run through it. Um, and then until like 4 o'clock when the uh, potential for severe weather starts. And then, you know, get everyone inside to safety because Lincoln is included in a let's see it would be the enhanced enhanced, well into the enhanced well into the enhanced chance for severe weather today timeline as i said looking at uh, things potentially firing up between about four and six and then uh, larger lines of thunderstorms expected to develop later into the evening so enhanced right now that means numerous severe storms possible a few tornadoes, damaging hail, hail and damaging wind. The lar- the, per the National Weather Service. Yeah, the the largest uh, or the biggest threat really is ha- large hail. Oh from, man, from our area. Oh man, golf ball size or larger. We just, I mean, we we just, well, not just, but we got the roof done after that hailstorm knocked out everybody's roof in my neighborhood. Whatever that was, five years ago, four years. Ago, I don't know. It was in May, like four years ago. Yep. I still have, I, if you, I shouldn't tell people this, but um, if then, you. Then don't. Yeah, I probably should. I don't know that I want to be identified on the streets, but uh, my uh, that hailstorm that I'm speaking of that many of you probably remember, it was, there was also, also tornadoes in Lincoln that day in May. I want to say 2017, but I could be wrong. It was May 9th, on that. I remember correctly. Was it 2017? I believe it was. 2018, 2017, probably 2017. uh, Knocked out uh, one of the the light covers in my car. Um, And so I I have to have a little bit of a modification because they told me at the car shop store repair place that it costs like hundreds of bucks to put the the plastic on back on the thing. And so I've had to do a legal workaround on, on that. And so I always have a, oh, 2016, says Keith. Thank you. 2016 i was a little i was a little late on that um so anyway let's hope we don't get that because the aftermath of that one was my neighborhood you remember that uh that summer after that everybody was getting a new roof every Every day you would see another another, 80 percent of the roofs in lincoln had to be you'd see another uh driveway would have the roofing dropped off and you're like all right they're gonna be there next and like the hotels near neighborhoods in town were just packed with uh, with trucks from roofing companies from all over the place. So yeah, I'd, I'd prefer not to uh, not to go down that road again. So let's hope we we stay away from that. But Ryan Ryan's just sent us a picture. Oh, he's a picture of it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I remember it because there was a um, 
Oh, yeah, huge, huge hailstones that were a part of that. I, I heard people who were driving on Highway 2 that had their windshield knocked out on oh, yeah. that day. Yeah. Uh, there was a tornado, uh, if, if you recall, that was sighted. I don't know if it ever touched down, but it was sighted uh, out on, like, Yankee Hill. Yep. And I, I, matter of fact, I saw that. 56 from my or so. I saw that from my dad. Yeah, that was yep. crazy. Now, let's not do that, okay? Let's let's just uh let's just avoid that if we possibly could. But it has been a long time since we've had real significant weather other than that one random winter day that we December had this 15th. last winter. Yeah. Man, you know your dates. Well, like, <laughs> when you get that that high a wind go through in That's true. about 10 minutes, so I But a real spring one we we really haven't had uh yeah. for quite a while. Well, we all should know that that date in December because that one first place for Spot News with the uh, Severide Awards. Oh, well, what do you know? Thanks for bringing that up. How yeah. about that tra- transition? Yeah, that's pretty nice. Award-winning yeah. severe weather coverage which if necessary if necessary, we'll be uh, we'll be back tonight. We'll be glad to That's correct. we'll be glad to come back here uh, and or get out on the uh, the streets of Lincoln uh, as is uh, dictated by safety and tell you guys what's happening and hear from you what's happening to keep mm-hmm. everybody safe. So we will be on call tonight. It might be uh, might get here twelve hours from now. Uh, today with the severe weather. So, Hopefully you're just listening to Husker baseball 12 hours. But <laughs> hope that's true. You do have a Husker baseball game scheduled in Lincoln, which might be put in some peril because of that. I know they moved the softball games uh, a little Up bit to hour. try and get ahead of them. Yep, the, the, the doubleheader against Iowa. So they were supposed to start at 4 for the first game. That's not going to be a 3 o'clock start this afternoon at Bullen Stadium. So um, still slated for a 635 first pitch for baseball. Um, which again we'll have coverage here on KLIN, but we are monitoring that if they uh, decide to yep. bounce out of that game completely, we'll. Uh, and the weather dictates it. We'll be uh, we'll be jumping in tonight. Yeah. So I'll, or, I'll could, order pizza. Any chance they could move that up? The game. Um, I haven't seen. Let me go see if it's on TV because there's a oh, lot. Yeah, of, there's a is. lot of. It's yeah. on, it's, I think it's yep. on. Okay. Uh, uh, Nebraska Public Media, I believe. Yeah, because when, when they, they do that, on, that makes it very hard uh, to move the game. they just leave it on radio. It wouldn't be a problem. No, BTN Plus. No, yeah. So, uh, theoretically, yeah. Maybe. We'll see. But they they if they were going to do that, that seems like a yesterday type of decision, yeah. not a today. Um. All right. Uh, the bill known as constitutional carry, as Mark reported, fell two votes short of passing a filibuster, and so... It does not become law, and its supporters are going to regroup and take a shot at it again next year. So Nebraska remains really kind of the only state in the area, I believe, except Colorado, that hasn't that has not passed a constitutional carry, and and this basically means you can conceal carry um, with a permit with without a with without a permit. Well, so, yeah, if it had passed. If it had passed, right. Right. You can already you can already legally open carry without a permit, but you would have to have permit to conceal carry. Carry would have still permitted people who cannot legally own a gun from carrying a gun gun in any fashion. So, um, but uh, Senator Tom Brewer was the the one who had sponsored this. Uh, he said, "Hey, we're going to reshape the Uticam after this. We're going to bring this bill back next year, and it's going to become law." next year so we will see and and uh, part of the part of the issue is you had some of the well there was an amendment brought regarding omaha but you had lincoln police and lincoln police union and 
to some degree, the Omaha Police Union, who had had some issues with this bill, and that probably didn't help its chances of, of getting passed, and so they may go back and adjust it a little bit. But it was kind of a, a divide between the rural and more urban law enforcement agencies in terms of whether they supported this or not as well. So Rural uh, urban is not unusual in this unicameral. No, it is not. In this state, for that matter. It is not. 24 states have this law. Every neighboring state except for Colorado have this. So there you go. On that, what else we have going on this uh, morning, Mark? Well, I think it was interesting yesterday, also in the legislature, um, Brett Lindstrom uh, pulled uh, a bill that he had that would have given the governor some uh, fast cash funds, is what I call them, to help close business deals and, and get people into the state, uh, businesses into the state. Several other states, including Iowa, have this uh, that allows a governor uh, the discretion. And a couple of... Um, Strong supporters of Charles W. Herbst opposed it. So with Lindstrom running, according to Paul Amell in the uh, Nebraska Examiner, he decided to go ahead and just pull it so it wasn't going to be uh, an issue in his campaign. They were calling it a slush fund for governors, but other states have this. Oklahoma was able to close like a $200 million business deal on a $2 million uh, thing that the governor put forward just to get it done. So. It's it's not unique to Nebraska, but it's out now. He pulled it. All right. And we are now only one, two, three, four weeks away from Election Day. Today. Ooh. Four weeks today. Boy, it has flown by, hasn't it? Man. And then another, what, six weeks after that? Eight weeks? Yeah. Seven, seven weeks? To the special, special. election? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like we're going to get a bit of a reprieve, you know, just yeah. because of the the lack of volume of the gubernatorial. And, and, and of course, the biggest biggest difference is that uh, the one four weeks from today is statewide and yeah. includes a lot of races. The special is just first district. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Although, have you looked at the ballot? There are a lot of unopposed state races. Have you noticed yes, that? Yes. <laughs> What is the deal with the what is the deal with the state Democrats and getting candidates to to run? Well, they'll be on the the, the general, but no, there's. I mean, oh, oh is that? But this it, is this is in the primary. Yeah, but are there even? I mean, there there are some. But I mean, just just more generally too. Um, no, like right here in Lancaster County, uh, Adam Morfeld won't be on the primary ballot. On the because, primary for Republicans, right? But no, um, for Democrats because he's unopposed. He's unopposed. Okay, understood, understood, but. I still, more generally, it's just, I mean, go back to the, the what, the, the Senate, the Senate yeah. deal from last year. Yeah, that's true. Right. I mean, you, you, you can, you've got a senator who's got, I mean, they, their party ended up not supporting them. You take a look at other gubernatorial and Senate candidates and they've been flip-flopping between Democrat and Republican. <laughs> um, I mean it's just they've not done particularly well in in developing a, any kind of a farm system of candidates and i know it's an uphill battle politically in this state but somehow they have made all the wrong moves uh, in terms of a lot of these races not all of them i wouldn't say i wouldn't say all of them and i and i think you know i think probably this house race that you've got this year is about as um it's, it's about as legit as it gets 
with Patty Pants and Brooks, but that hasn't that, that again. That's not a statewide race, though. Right? They've done okay and okay, better lately in in the house races. But you know, and and listen, if I want to, if you want to play the both sides games, you you probably say the same things about Republicans locally in in city elections. <laughs> I I mean, but at least locally in city elections, you can get people to run. It, it's so much harder to get. Democrats to run for those statewide where where you have a competitive primary and then you know that they're going to be competitive when you get to the general because like it or not right now even in the governor's race if you're the Democrat going you're kind of just the sacrificial lamb come November yeah I mean, that, I, that's, that's what how, it is that's how I think of it that, I mean that's uh, by as as someone who is uh, been openly and independent uh, I'll tell you i'll be getting the republican ballot because you know that's going to be the more influential one mm-hmm. here in the in the statewide elections but yeah i mean it, and people don't like the string of mayors that you've had in lincoln uh if you don't part of the part of the issue is i mean l- let's be listen this isn't gonna this may rub some people the wrong way you have not put good candidates up against them you haven't for quite a a, a long while, um, you, you, that could, that might make you upset, but it's it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. You had better candidates up in the last what two three elections right. for mayor. You had a shot, but had an interesting. Hopefully, they learned something. Got an interesting one going though. In uh, I think it's District Three County Commission. You get three Republicans. Yeah running over there that's that's going to be an interesting primary that's that one's doing big big stuff on the sign wars in yes. yards <laughs> i've noticed i'm sure of course the uh the current uh, commi- uh, commission chair she's running for re-election mm-hmm. she's up against uh, uh mr uh, filing and, and schulte and matt schulte yep absolutely all right there you go that is my uh that's the end of my sub box on parties not picking good candidates or not having good <laughs> candidates People don't want to run. I mean, that's part of it, too. People don't yeah. want to run. I don't want to run. 624. Well, I would have done the special election, but I don't want to get those signatures. Yeah. 624. It's LNK today with Jack and friends. Uh, we're going to have a good show today. Sports is next. KLIN. Before you hit that drive time, stay alert with Nitro Cold Brew Coffee from Broken Rail Beverage Company. This is 1499.3 KLIN. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 
look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. All right, 638, Alan K. Today with Jack and Friends on KL. I don't think I ever give you the lineup today. Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, is going to uh, to join us today. A lot to get into There's with him. There's nothing happening in politics. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, we got, we have plenty to get into with him. In, in, in specifically, I want to see if uh, if he, you know, they had the Trump Jr. Uh, visit announced for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is there going to be a... Trump senior trip to Nebraska in the coming weeks, so we can get into uh, get into that with him. Also joining us today, Doctor Ken Dewey at eight ten. Well, the timing of that, yeah, Doctor Dewey is going to join us, and uh, we'll have Jason Ball from Lincoln Chamber joining us at eight thirty five. Awesome. So, a packed lineup of great guests today. But right now, it's time to get you updated on all the headlines from around the world. It is the sound off, and uh, you may have seen this last night. Reports around the world. Not confirmed by any government, but reports of chemical weapons being used in Ukraine, which several world leaders, including the United States President Joe Biden, has said is a red line. Mm -hmm. Not really clear on what the consequences of passing that red line are, but nonetheless, perhaps it has happened. Let's find out more. President Zelensky is not confirming reports of the use of chemical weapons in the besieged port city of Mariupol, but he is reminding world leaders that Russia has discussed the possible use of them, and he says, if accurate, the response must be severe. Now, at the Pentagon, spokesman John Kirby also not confirming these reports, saying they are closely monitoring it, and adding in this statement, these reports of true are deeply concerning and reflective of concerns that we have had about Russia's potential to use a variety of riot control agents, including tear gas mixed with chemical agents in Ukraine. This, as the mayor of Mariupol tells the AP, that, quote, corpses were carpeted through the streets. Jeez. On, on one hand, th- this thing, and it was, you know, a couple weeks ago, um, that that Biden essentially said, you know, chemical weapons, biological weapons are a are a red line, and he was asked as a follow-up question, what does that mean? What is the consequence? And he essentially demurred on that question. He didn't say, which is good, because I think there were too many times when they basically said, well, you know, here's, we're not going to do anything about, mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to do this, in, in kind of showing your cards on all of those things. But on the other side of it is, so, but seriously, though, what <laughs> what is next? If if this is confirmed, if U.S. intelligence, if if Ukraine... Um, if if the U.S. and its allies have a belief that this did actually happen, what is the next step that hasn't been used yet exactly? And, you know, or what what are we talking about here exactly? I don't even know what's on the table because so many of the 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 things, you know, sending weapons, yes, and, and some say, well, you should be sending more weapons and all of those things. But, man, there's a clear line of demarcation from things like obviously NATO boots on the ground, obviously, uh, a no-fly zone, those sorts of things. Are those opened up, or is there something else that's somehow in between where we are right now and what those things are that become the next stage of all of this? But, of course, everyone being careful to to try and wait and see if this is actually verified. Um, and, of course, Russia will say it's 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 not true, and, and, and I don't know if it is or, or not. Um, but if it is, then that is going to bring us to a next step in this, what that looks like that we don't, we don't really know. Um, Caleb and I were talking about this in the break 
apparently you've got some uh, major cities, not necessarily entire cities, but parts of cities. But yes, Philadelphia is the first one that's making news to bring back the old mask mandates. Mm. Ah, yes, man, have we missed these. I'd hoped we wouldn't be meeting like this again, but here we are. Citing a spike in COVID-19 cases, Philadelphia's health commissioner said the last thing that a pandemic-weary public wants to hear. We're reintroducing the mask mandate. Dr. Cheryl Bedigal says masking up in indoor public spaces provides a chance to get ahead of the wave. If we can do that, we can literally save the lives of vulnerable Philadelphians. But she also urged Philadelphians to responsibly go about their daily lives. We do not believe that there's any reason to panic or to avoid activities we enjoy and that are important to us. Bettigal adding there will be a one-week education period to get the word out about the mandate before it takes effect on April 18th. Steve Rappaport, Fox News. Okay, I'm looking at Philadelphia, I guess this is Philadelphia County that I'm looking at. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at their new case. I don't know, it's not, I mean, it's a very slight increase, but it's nowhere near what was happening in in late December and in right. January, where it seemed to have that huge peak everywhere, so um, it's interesting to see if other other cities like this are going to follow suit or if this is a blip on the radar. But man, time to get everyone's mask tapes oh, again. Oh God, please! <laughs> I mean, let's not do this, please. Whatever we can do to not do this whole thing again, that would be that would be amazing. Um, all right. Moving on, let's see what else we have uh, here this morning. Ah, president is uh, coming to Iowa this week. Ooh. Not Nebraska, come to, uh, come to Iowa. White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki said the president's visit to an ethanol plant in Menlo, Iowa today is part of a new rural infrastructure tour, kicked off by his interior secretary Monday in Colorado. As part of this, the White House released a playbook with guidance on how rural communities can apply for infrastructure bill money. President Biden will make an announcement on actions to reduce the impact of Putin's price hike and build America, a better America with investments in rural communities from the bipartisan infrastructure. The Des Moines Register notes that many in Iowa hope that announcement is suspension of the summertime ban on gasoline blended with 15% ethanol to help out certain farmers and biofuel providers. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Rural Infrastructure Week. (laughs) Rural Infrastructure. And I can update that story. Uh, That was filed overnight, but it sounds like it is going to be an announcement there that he's going to suspend that rule preventing the sale of higher ethanol blend gasoline during the summer so most gas is sold with 10 percent ethanol but the epa is going to issue an emergency waiver that allows sale of 15 percent the e15 that's usually prohibited between june 1st and september 15th uh because of concerns that it adds to smog in in high temperatures that's why they they don't do it um so there you go that's the uh that's going to be in menlo that's just west of des moines i've driven by that thing uh, a whole lot, um, and of course, Iowa's the corn capital. Sorry, Nebraska, they want to go talk to the corn state. They go to Iowa. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. So, well, you could have uh, just said going to Iowa. Very disappointing. Yep. That, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it didn't have to give any other details. Biden's first trip to Iowa, where if you don't recall, it looked like his presidential bid might be done after the Iowa, after the uh, Iowa caucuses that mm-hmm. were at just a disaster do you remember what about that was right before covid too right right before covid and they didn't know who won you remember what a mess that was god i'm sorry sorry if my wife is listening sorry 
The Iowa caucuses are the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Just the worst. Uh, When they happen in the calendar, the undue influence the state gets, the methodology of doing it, the night-long TV coverage of, of uh, it's just right. The, the the caucuses versus just going and voting, and yes. and then the fact you're in Iowa to start all of it, and the impact that apparently holds yep. on everything. Yep. There you go. Oh, by the way, Menlo, part of Guthrie County, backed Trump by Biden over Biden by 35 percentage points in uh, 2020. So, hmm. what kind of reception that he gets there? Uh, okay. This is interesting. So the state of California is looking at this at trimming down your work week if you work for a big enough company. Right. But they are looking, this is in the legislature at the, and I don't quite know all of the impacts, the policy impacts, how you can actually control this, but essentially they're looking at making it a four-day work week in the state of California. The California state legislature is considering a bill that would shorten the work week for companies with more than 500 employees from 40 hours to 32. One of the bill's co-sponsors, Democrat Christina Garcia, says the bill was inspired by the coronavirus pandemic where working from home became par for the course. Supporters say the four-day work week would boost productivity and create a better work-life balance. Opponents call it a job killer. Companies argue that in lieu of a four-day work week, they could use higher salaries or other perks to attract employees. Sue Guzman, Fox News. Wait, so are you not working and getting paid for 40 hours then? That That's a good question. Because if it's, okay, great, I'm only working four days. Well, now you have eight hours less per week on your paycheck. Yeah. Obviously those being paid hourly versus salary, but if your salary and all of a sudden you're cutting out 20% of right. what you would have been doing. Yeah, exactly. Um so this was pr- proposed uh, at the federal level last July. Um and you know some of the play like Toshiba, Shake Shack, Kickstarter, Shopify, they've been they've been doing that thing but essentially it would change the definition of the work week from the current 40 hours to 32 hours for company as you said with more than 500 employees basically what that means is that's relevant for labor laws Uh meaning that if you work over 32 you're required to pay overtime okay is is what that is so that's i mean you could still work obviously right more than 40 but um for those who are hourly employees that would require it to be overtime after right. that so but if you're a, if you're a bigger business and, and this would impact you why wouldn't you just try to hire some more people and have everyone working only 32 yeah you then you don't have to pay uh, overtime and those people aren't making enough then anymore i'm gonna guess this is uh not gonna not gonna be successful just, even in california just just the way all of that sounds initially is that the ramifications were not considered i just don't think corporations are gonna like la- i mean Corporations say, "Yeah, we can do that." I mean, no, yeah, we'll, but we would like the freedom to decide, right? Um, and there are places. There, there's other countries that have it's it's a four day work week, but that's part of their uh, their work culture is that it's the four days, and mm-hmm. they're not necessarily losing out on a fifth of their wages because of it. What do you say, uh, Unicam passes this? Are we getting rid of the Monday show or the Friday show? Wednesday. Oh, the we- is that people, how you do a four day work week? Ideally, people are no to, longer chapped. Uh, is that the best way to do it? Do you take a if you had a four day work week? If you're somebody who normally works five day. Do you do a three day weekend or do you do a mini weekend on Wednesdays? Do you do 
Two on one like off, the, two on two off. I kind of like the mini weekend on Wednesday. Just getting that little break in the middle. Wild Wednesdays. Ooh. Tuesday night parties all over town. Be amazing. Uh, anyway, that's not happening. Uh, <laughs> Propose it now, Lindstrom. Why does Elon Musk not want to be on the board of directors of Twitter after buying enough shares to become the plurality owner of Twitter. He exactly. wants more shares? Exa- well, what is it? Elon Musk is reversing his decision to join Twitter's board. With the move, the billionaire is no longer beholden to the 14.9% ownership restriction that came with board membership. Some are speculating that Elon's decision is because his influence may have been limited to oversight rather than policy, or perhaps because an agreement could not be reached on Musk's tweeting etiquette. His views <laughs> were very much on display much of Saturday. Musk's new suggestions focused on everything from banning advertising on the platform to turning the tweet Twitter headquarters into a homeless shelter. Musk's influence, though, is not nothing. He's still the largest shareholder, and his 81 million Twitter followers allow him considerable reach. And while it's unclear what his next move will be, an SEC filing over the weekend reveals he can purchase additional stock. So the door is open for a hostile takeover should he want to pursue that. Kelly O'Grady, Fox News. Don't ruin Twitter, please. Yeah, I mean, it's not perfect, but it is, like I said yesterday, it is my by far preferred social media uh, and let's just not let's not mess with it too much please and and what is the deal with like workshopping ideas with tweets now hey i'm now the uh, i now own more stock than anybody let's just throw out a whole make it a homeless shelter right how do you guys feel about that uh, what, what do you think about this we'll see uh all right what else do we have um oh this is interesting Okay, so did you, I don't know if this is something you ever experienced based on your age and, and where you live. Have you ever been to a Kmart? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where did you go to Kmart at? Carney. Did Carney have a Kmart? Yeah. Okay. I Blue Light Special. Could have known that. So, did you know there are still existing there's Kmarts? What, like, there's three? There's three? Yes. Now, three Kmarts left e- total in the world. Only a handful of Kmart brick and mortar stores are now left. And after this weekend, the department store chain will only have three in the U.S. Westwood, New Jersey, Bridgehampton, New York, and Miami. Kmart, now owned by Transform Co., once had over 2,000 locations nationwide and sold brands endorsed by celebrities like Martha Stewart and sponsored NASCAR auto races. Kmart's decline has been brought about by years of falling sales, changes in shopping habits, and Walmart's ever-growing presence. In 2002, it filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection, and a few years later, hedge fund executive Eddie Lampert combined Sears and Kmart and vowed to return them to their former greatness. But the recession and Amazon's increasing dominance contributed to derailing those goals. Hillary Barsky, Fox News. Great job, Eddie. Really the, uh, check that box. Before the one in Carney closed, I got a sweet dining table. It was originally like 200, 250 bucks. They're closing everything They're out. They're closing everything out. I got to, it for 40. I'm thinking the one in Lincoln, there's one at Edgewood in Lincoln. <clears throat> Guys, I don't remember. You'll have to help me on this. I want to say late 90s, early 2000s, it closed. Maybe, was there another one in North Lincoln too? I don't know, but that's really the. I remember it more from when I was when I grew up in South Dakota. We that was our main. We mm-hmm. went there all the time. Yeah, the blue light specials and the the other thing I remember is the soundtrack music that they always had like instrumental soundtrack music that was going on the entire time. That was usually a place we'd go buy our video games. Okay, yeah, K- Kmart for whatever reason had lower prices. And they had a video snack games. bar there. I always remember as well. We never got anything in it, but I always wanted to. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I what I remember about Kmart. But yeah, I think the one in Edgewood, 
I want to say late 90s, 2000, 2001, maybe that that thing, uh, that thing shut down. Not sure. Um, all right. Let's see. Oh, and by the way, we're talking about closeout sales. The, the most legendary one was when Richmond Gordman and Lincoln uh, closed out their entire sporting goods department. They used to have a sporting goods department. And I want to say about 1987, mm-hmm. they said, we're getting rid of this department. We're going, we're going in a different direction. 75% off the entire thing. <laughs> there is a group of families that, that went to our church and we, like everybody called everybody and we all went. I still believe half of a group of about five families in this area still have about half their sporting goods that they own <laughs> from that. I mean, softball bats and gloves and everything. I mean, we got, we got everything. Um, at that. So I still remember all the softball bats that we, slow pitch softball bats that we got from that. All right. Last but not least, I got this one for you, Caleb. Google has put out, uh, we are in, uh, now in wedding season. Okay. Mm-hmm. Including mm-hmm. for, uh, Caleb here in a few months. And they put out the top wedding season searches. Ooh. So just something for you to keep in mind. Following two years of COVID-delayed events, Google spotting an uptick in wedding buzz. Reps seeing searches for lab-created diamonds versus natural doubling over the past year. Search interest in diamonds said to spike every December. And bachelorette party searched two times more than bachelor party in the U.S. Barn, farmhouse, and Airbnb wedding venues among the most searched over the past 12 months. Emerald, Sapphire, and Opal among the most searched engagement ring stones within the same time frame. Kristen Goodwin, Fox News. Barn? People going to barns? There, there are some nice places that have been been, been fixed up. It's, it's not... Does it smell? No. Okay, I just... Like, there are some places that, like, right. you are on a not farm. Not like a, a barn that's in use for... No, it's more like... We're not ru- going to... Uh... It's more rustic feel than you went and you're, you're hanging out. We're not going to, like, a, a, a pill in our herbster, you know... No. Meat processing no. sort you're, of you're, a situation. You're, you're not going to okay. anywhere that they're producing, no. Okay. Sounds good. By the way, 48th and Vine, thank you. I think we had callers and textures. 48th and Vine was the other Kmart. I don't know if I ever went to that one. I wonder when that one shut down. I don't I don't remember going to that one. I remember going to the Richmond Gorman across the street all the time. Mm-hmm. Legit all the time, but I don't remember going to that Kmart much. All right, 656, we'll take a break. Selling K today with Jack and Friends on K. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. A-L-I-N. And uh, thank you for all your texts and tweets telling me where the other uh, Kmarts were in town. 
I apparently twenty seventh and corner. I knew there was one. I knew there was one at some point out north, but I couldn't remember where. Twenty four, twenty seventh and corner. Oscar, the Home Depot. There was one at forty eighth and Vine, forty sixth and Vine, or like fiftieth and Vine, uh, and then no, it'd have been for like forty sixth, and then over there at Edgewood. So that concludes your Kmart reminiscing. With only three Kmart's left in the entire United States as of this week. Uh, we say hello to uh, to Joe Jordan. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? I this is my last Kmart appointment, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's three. Yeah, there's still there's one in Miami still for some reason. Oh, Miami. Yeah, Miami has one. New Jersey has one, and somewhere in upstate New York. So if you really need the blue light special, <laughs> uh, if you really need any of those things, you can uh, you can still find them. Uh, uh, so, uh, announcement yesterday, found out that, uh, Herbster is, uh, the Herbster campaign is going to be bringing Donald Trump Jr. here this week, um, first stops in, I believe it's Albion, uh, or excuse me, where were the, uh, I'm forgetting where all the stops were right now, uh, North Platte, uh, North Platte, Garing, Garing, and, uh, Garing is Grand Island, Island. And Grand Island. Grand Island. Yeah, North Platte, Garing, and and, uh, and Grand Island. <laughs> Did you say Albion? Were yeah, you, were you just know. saying whatever just saying random towns, towns west of here Sorry. that you can think of? Is Albion west of here? Yeah, but uh, okay, it, it's well, not, then it's fine. You could not draw a straight line though <laughs> okay, from Garing and North Platte to Grand Island. You'd have to go out of the way to get to Albion. I don't know why I had Albion in my head. I have no idea. <laughs> Well, the uh, people at the Albion Airport are scrambling right now. Right, yeah, exactly. Right, <laughs> it's happening. Exactly. Exactly. We're gonna have a big day uh, coming up. Uh, so Donald Trump Jr. is coming. I I think though the the thing that a lot of people in the political orbit were kind of expecting and wondering was more about like a Donald, not like a meet and greet necessarily with uh, Trump Jr., not to say that that isn't anything, but the thought was a, a Trump visit, a Trump rally type situation was probably going to come at, at some point. Any Is this um, a preclude a, a Trump rally, Trump visit? What are you hearing on this? Well, it certainly looks like plan B at the moment. And, Jack, all I can tell you is uh, the statement that I got from the uh, Herbster campaign was that right now there is nothing on Mr. Herbster's schedule that involves former President Donald J. Trump. You just get the it's, – it's more of a feeling than anything, you know, sourced or any information. But the feeling I got is there's not going to be a visit from the president, former president. Now, having said that, you know, we all know when it comes to Donald Trump, you don't make predictions. Right. Because things turn around pretty quickly. But it, but you, but I guess my question is, if if the former president was coming, why is his son coming now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was my first reaction, thinking, okay, because, you know, there's not, it's four weeks from today, the election. And so it would be in the coming days. Would they would they really do both? But as you said, it's it's hard to have any idea. It's not like it's a particular, uh, particularly predictable situation. But like the rumors have been swirling about. I mean, I assume you've heard the same thing, that this was something that was likely going to happen at some point. Is that is that what you had been hearing, too? Yes, I was very surprised to hear that it was that the, the son was coming and that, that it's not him, uh, because yes, they, they, and it was more than rumors. Um, there were people close to the campaign, close to the Herbster campaign, that it indicated to me that that it was. A, I don't want to say it was a done deal, but but they certainly thought there was that the, the former president was was coming between now and May tenth, and I that's been the that's been the feeling that I've gotten for. 
at least five or six weeks. Me too. Yeah. Uh, now it was. I will tell you, it was stronger five or six weeks ago. It was kind of like, hey, Joe, just so you know, maybe like any day now. Then I hadn't heard anything for a while, and then it still sounded from some conversations that I was having that, that oh, yeah, it, it's going to happen. Uh, nobody knew when or where. Because uh, if you'll recall, last week we talked about whether it was going to be uh, Carney, yes. Grand Island, North Platte. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I picked Carney. You picked uh, North, North Platte. Platte, I think. Yeah, we have lunch uh, on it, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, I don't know who gets lunch if he doesn't come. We'll have to check exactly. the the legalese in our agreement here. Now, now what's going to happen? You know where he's going to go? Albion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and, and you know, but on the bigger picture, it it does make you wonder what it means because yeah. now, if if the if the former president shows up, uh, you know, and it's it, first week of May, last week of you know this month, April. It would have a, it could still have a huge effect on on getting Herbster's you know vote to the polls and all that kind of stuff. The the, the problematical part is, and it's a, it's kind of a curious thing because we don't really know. People are you know early voting has already begun. Now Republicans don't usually seem to like the early voting thing, so mm-hmm. maybe it's going to be a moot point in the in the GOP primary. Uh, but if people are voting early, and and the former president isn't showing up. Well, they're you know maybe they're is that part of their decision? Are they wondering you know uh, what a, what does the Trump endorsement mean for Mr. Herbster? Because without a doubt, the one thing we know for sure, I think at this point in time, is that Charles Herbster is sort of betting the ranch on the Trump endorsement. I mean, every almost every commercial somewhere in that commercial it talks about the Trump endorsement. Uh, his uh, yard signs, uh, yep. uh, aka almost the size of billboards around town, you know. Trump endorsed. Uh, so there's no doubt he wants everybody to know he's the Trump endorsed candidate. The president not showing up might shit put a little shade on that endorsement. I, I it, it just seems that way. I guess this is all feel at the moment, but that's what it seems like at least. Yeah, I, it's just hard to know how that, if that scenario plays out, you know, are there really voters who are saying, well, I thought he was fully behind him, but now I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I think I think we still figure. I mean, I still believe. There's no doubt in my. I don't. I don't really have any doubt that that, that former President Trump has endorsed Herbster, wants Herbster to be the governor. The question is, uh, so why not come? You know, what's in it? Why not? And I don't know. The, I certainly don't know the answer to that. Yeah. But there seems to be a why not if you're not coming. I wonder what the calculus is for you know because he has taken trips and done endorsements. He's 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 done a few of these over the course of the last few weeks. I I wonder. I don't know that either of us has the answer, but I wonder what the calculus is, where to go, when to go, and and why to go exactly to the various places because you know he loves doing them. I mean that much is is very clear. He or he at least he right. did when he was president. He he kind of enjoys that, and so it makes it does make you wonder what the calculus is behind the whole thing. Well, as you know, as as, as a speculation will 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 simmer and brew on this whole thing. There's there's a couple of things you have to wonder about. Is there you know is there polling that has come out? Because I think Mr. Herbster, I think himself has said that the endorsement. Uh, of the of the former president was tied to his standing in the polls. The polling that he had, the, the, the you know, Mr. Trump liked that polling. Obviously, he showed, must have shown Herbster ahead, and he been, and that was that was part of the deal. Um, so you so you can't help but wonder is has the polling is this race really tightened? Uh, if it has, hmm, yeah. 
who you know who's the beneficiary of that tightening? Is it Brett Lindstrom, who's who you know a couple of weeks ago, uh, former Governor Dave Heineman, uh said that he was pretty sure that Lindstrom was surging, or is it uh, or is or is Pillen, who in that same conversation, uh, Heineman said that he Pillen had fallen to third. Well, now is he back up? The other curious thing about all this, you you can usually tell, as we all know, who's up, who's down, who who, who thinks their major opponent is by the TV commercials. Yeah. Right now, there's, as I, unless I've missed it, there's basically one organization, the, that unnamed third party, that's, that's hit Lindstrom with at least one, maybe two ads. Um, but Herbster hasn't directly attacked uh, Lindstrom in an ad. Pillen hasn't directly attacked Lindstrom in an ad. The attack ads are basically Lindstrom versus Pillen and Pillen versus, I'm sorry. Herbster and Pillen. Herbster versus Pillen, Pillen versus Herbster. Yeah. So, they're, they're, to, that tells me that their numbers indicate that they are still the one and two in this in this deal. Now, that's the only evidence that I've got that says it's Herbster versus Pillen, and Lindstrom is still trying to find that that third lane in. Now, I could be a hundred percent wrong, yeah. but if you look at the commercials and the ads, that's how the attacks are going. Isn't it fascinating, Joe? Because there's very few races here in in Nebraska, and, and especially a three way race like this, where you feel like, and, and this is how I feel, and it sounds like you do too. You just you don't know. You don't have a good feel for like you you can put together circumstantial evidence and arguments, I suppose for for maybe any of them. Like there was a part of me that just kind of figured that Herbster was was in the lead, but man, it's it's hard to tell, and without you know, public access to a ton of polling, it's it's going to be pretty fascinating on election night if nothing changes between now and then. Well, you know, the world the world of, of uh, news organizations doing polling changed, I don't know, was it five, ten years ago at this point in time? You don't, I mean, there was always, a, you could always, as a, as a, as a, as part of the audience watching these things, you could always depend on, on a Lincoln Journal Star poll or an Omaha World Herald poll, mm-hmm. you know, some quote unquote independent uh, organization not, that didn't come from the campaigns. You didn't have to, you know, ferret through all that information. Uh, but those days of those days have gone. The, the, those organizations have just, and, and basically every most news organizations, other than the other than the ones at the far national level, in terms of local polling, it's it's it's. Uh, it, it's certainly not in Nebraska. We're not yeah. seeing it here for sure. So it's yeah, and it's hard to hard hard to find anything like that. I assume there are, are some internal numbers. Hey, I want to hit on the end of the legislative session before we run out of time here, Joe. You know what? What I kind of noted here the the story of of the last couple of weeks of the legislative sessions are some very close votes on some real hot button issues where. Um, things like the override of the rent assistance bill fell one vote short. Yesterday, you had um, they couldn't pass the filibuster. They couldn't get through the filibuster for the constitutional carry uh, bill that Senator Brewer had by by mm-hmm. two votes. The abortion vote, incredibly close. I mean, it really goes to show that this balance of the legislature, and I'm I'm not sure it's super clear left right on all of those issues, but this balance of the the legislature is, I mean, just right on the line between going some you know very different ways when it comes to policy. Like those are going to be some very important elections here in the coming months. Oh, there is no doubt. I mean, you've got you've got three or four or maybe even five seats that are that are quote unquote the, sort of the Democratic uh, side of the aisle, as it were, in mm-hmm. this nonpartisan legislature, where 
um, those people aren't coming back, and those races are going to be significantly important. I think, you know, just to, to, to highlight one, uh, State Senator McAllister's uh, d- district in mid, sort of midtownish Omaha, uh, for those who don't know, it's sort of in the, it's, it's the West Side High School. Is, sure. That's the area that um, Mr. The Senator McAllister represents. Uh, he's, he's leaving. Uh, he's, he's a Republican, but right. <laughs> I mean, he's been called a rhino probably more often than he's been called a Republican in the last, you know, three or four years. And, and his votes on some of the issues you just talked about were sort of on the Democratic side of the aisle. Uh, that's, a, that's going to be a key race. And there's a couple more out there that if, if, if the Democrats so, sort of hold those seats, they can continue this, you know, <laughs> this, this, this marginal effort to, to stave off these changes. Barring that, if we go into next year and 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 you're gonna, you'll have a new, obviously you'll have a new governor. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if the party lineups in the legislature are are, are really close, maybe even if they're not, uh, you've got to wonder: is, is someone going to drop that that um, that move to change the rules, and it won't, and, and that number of thirty three would change? Yeah, uh, that that would be that would be a significant development. Uh, and I, I know it's being it, it's. They talk about it around the edges down there in Lincoln. I don't think anybody wants to do it, but uh, when you, you know, I, in fact, I think it's possible Senator Brewer may have commented on it uh, during the floor fight yesterday on, yeah. on his gun bill uh, that, that, you know, we've got, you know, you got to get to 33. Why do you, and, and, you know, it does, some, it does resonate somewhat with the public, uh, to be honest with you. They know it's twenty-five to pass a bill. How come you got to get thirty-three right. votes? What's all this talk about thirty-three? And 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 everybody, anybody that follows the legislature somewhat closely understands why you got to get thirty-three. I don't think a lot of people in the public get it. Yeah, yeah the idea is majority rules, and and right. uh, that that might not make sense. Well, we'll have uh, we'll have a lot to talk about with these coming elections, and that balance of power of the legislature is going to be very important. Great stuff, Joe. Appreciate it. We will uh, check in with you next week. All right. Take care, Jack. Be good. Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, 725 on KLIN. I like the local news because it doesn't get into all these politics. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. All right, without any further ado, let's get it started with... Number five. We're in an enhanced area for the possibility of severe weather late this afternoon into early evening. Right now, it looks like the best chance for severe weather between six and nine this evening could have uh, heavy rains, hail, uh, high winds, possibly a tornado. National Weather Service updated their maps about an hour ago, and we actually are 
um, in a, a enhanced risk area for possibility of tornadoes this evening, as opposed to hail, which was uh, originally reported. They did some recalculating, so okay. it, it'll it'll be developing as the day goes on. Now it's supposed to get very warm today, uh, upper 80s, uh, possible, maybe 90. And I believe you're talking with. Uh, our weather guru from uh, the retired climatologist at yes. UNL here at 810. Yeah, uh, Ken Dewey will be on at 810, so we'll get the latest from him. But yeah, you're going to see, you know, you're going to peak out in the mid to upper 80s here, you know, 5, 6, 7, and then boom, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bump down. Um, and that it's kind crash. of crash. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna crash, and that's when you uh, have the potential of the rain. National Weather Service now calling for the greatest likelihood, like you said, Mark, uh, between six p.m. and midnight, um, and that's when they expect that line of storms to fire up. And uh, we'll see. It, it. The only thing I'll add is that if things do uh, get a little bit hairy tonight with severe weather, uh, we'll we'll jump on the air uh, and let you know. Uh, when and how we are doing that and how you can listen to us and and you guys can help us be kind of our eyes and ears around the community to make sure people are staying safe out there and, and uh, aware of what's happening because you have a lot outside, a lot of outdoor activities going on. I mean, Nebraska baseball is a home game tonight at Haymarket Park. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's a whole lot of other things going on now that we're getting into to spring. So keep uh, your phone or your radio nearby you today. Well, I'm sure we'll have updates. Uh, you know, this is such a, a dynamic uh, system that we could have major changes that we would be at least be aware of by mid-afternoon. Yeah. So, and, and I will tell you this from somebody who looks at these maps all the time when they do the severe weather risk or they do the uh, marginal, slight, enhanced, moderate. It's been a, It's not super often that you know, you get in that enhanced area. It's, right. And, it's, and, so. and well within the enhanced area. Yes. Well, yeah. well, in fact, it goes out as far west as Fairbury and parts of Columbus, it looks like, as well. And so that's kind of how far that line goes. And then all, all the way into to the rest of the state, Omaha, and into Iowa as well. So we'll be watching that throughout the day. Stay tuned to KLIN and KLIN.com for the latest. Number four. A bill that would have allowed people to carry concealed handguns without a permit died yesterday when the rest of the lawmakers derailed the proposal. After hearing concerns from some law enforcement officials, the bill would have made Nebraska the 26th state to adopt so-called constitutional carry. Failed by two votes for closure. Yep, another one of those very close votes here down the home stretch of the legislative session, but they didn't get enough to overcome the filibuster. And it is interesting. I have the map here right now, Mark, of the states that do allow for this and... It's almost, I mean, it's all, almost everyone, Colorado does not, New Mexico does not, but otherwise the whole middle part of the country, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Utah, Arizona, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, South Dakota, North Dakota, Iowa, Missouri, Arkansas, uh, and then into into parts of the South, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, West Virginia, uh, all do. But I think, you know, that the, the, some of the law enforcement testimony when it came to this was something that was... Uh, probably drove at least part of the opposition. And I think, I mean, I'll be totally honest about, about this as well. I think there are there are people who do not own guns and do not plan to own guns um, who don't, who, who see this as more of a liability than um, something that, that would be positive. Now, the counter-argument is, well, it's the Second Amendment should allow me to do this. And there is, I mean, it, it practically... Whether an amendment allows something or does not allow something is determined by the courts, and 
as it stands right now with jurisprudence on the Second Amendment for the last decade plus, courts are pretty well agreed that there can be limitations on the rights, you know, on, on rights confirmed in the conferred in the Bill of Rights. But then there's kind of a a weighing test that goes on to figuring out whether or not those limitations are permissible. And so it's just this whole judicially interpreted thing of the Second Amendment. But it's not, I mean, I don't think you're, you, you, you can't at least make the argument right now that the settled law of the land is that the Second Amendment would not allow permits to be required for concealed carry. So it becomes a little bit more of a policy issue at that point, well, rather than a constitutional issue. Right. It's policy because, what, 26 states allow right. it? So, I mean, you've got a um, plurality that says it's not an issue. Yeah. And so if they, I mean, if, if it did go to court, um, probably look at how onerous the requirements are for getting that permit. That all that all factors into this this entire thing. But nonetheless, it sounded like Senator Brewer is pretty intent on bringing this thing back. Oh, absolutely. Again. And that was interesting what Joe was talking about. We we referenced Mark, you go, you know, you've got the abortion discussion, you had, you know, the renters assistance um, veto override vote. You had three and there's probably more major votes on on issues both sides were very passionate about that were a vote or two away from either overriding a veto, getting over a filibuster to get past all of these things. And that balance of power is very close. And Joe wondered kind of openly, are there going to be considerations next year of revisiting the filibuster rule in the Unicam? Just wow. because so much of that is, that, that could is be. happening. I mean, yeah. Prison reform, it, it, sentencing reform was another sentencing one. Sentencing for thank you. Sentencing form was reform was was absolutely another one there. So uh, very close on all of those, but did not quite finish the fish the line. But if a senator or two was different on it, that would have been enough, and things could look very different policy wise coming out of this session of the legislature. Number three. President Biden going to Des Moines today. I got the TFR notification from the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association oh, late yesterday. He's actually going to Menlo, I believe. Well, yeah, but he's flying into Des Moines. Oh, okay. So then, that's where the TFR is. Temporary flight restrictions are around oh, Des Moines. Uh, wow. Expected to announce the uh, 15 E-15 year-round. Uh, normally, E-15 uh, is not allowed between June 1st and September 15th. Uh, because of concerns that it adds to smog and high temperatures, but they say it could cut gasoline prices significantly, 10, 15 cents maybe, a gallon by moving this, uh, making this ethanol available. Now, so he's going to Iowa. Is E15 the one that most people can use in their car? Flex fuel vehicles, uh, yeah, they can use up to uh, E15. And as a matter of fact, some tests have it even higher than that. But. Yeah, most but, uh, most vehicles can do E15. Most it's the E it's e, the e, other one the E85. E85 is the one that you've got to have got to have the special car yeah, for. The, I believe that's labeled as flex fuel. Okay. Yeah, those are the those are the flex fuel ones. Is this I don't know what do you think does this have a shot at having a significant impact on oh, on gas prices? Um well significant is a, is a relative number. Fair enough. Uh you know, probably 10 10 cents. Fifteen cents. You know, it's it's. I've, I've got an inquiry into the Nebraska Ethanol Board about how much their uh, anticipation is, but again, uh, it goes to the efforts of reducing fossil fuels. You're using corn-based ethanol, right, right? And I know people who are against ethanol for a variety of reasons, but you know, what's the big argument against it? 
Well, some people don't understand the process, and they say it's it's taking a, a good food source oh. and and uh, <laughs> you know running it into. <laughs> but that's that's not the case. Why are because, we laughing? Oh, I've had arguments with people on on Mark's Facebook about that yes. it was taking away a food source. It's not. I mean, the the distillers grain, the the DDGs, dried distillers grains, become great and a very rich livestock feed. So, you know, and, and livestock turn that type of vegetable source into protein. Can you eat uh, ethanol corn on the cob? There's different kinds of corn that serve different purposes. What if I had an ethanol corn on the cob? With with butter, I would think that'd be fine. Um, <laughs> we'll save that for your rural tour. Okay, put it on the summer. list. Um, uh, no, you can't do ethanol corn on the cob. Ben says you can eat anything if you're brave enough. That's also true. All right. That's I what I'm, I, I'm making that for my family this summer, kids. We're having burgers, watermelon, and ethanol corn on the cob. Uh, I've got nipples. Can you milk me? <laughs> uh, I, I tell you one thing that I can't eat, and that's sea slug. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, Mercy. Talk about nasty. I had escargot for the first time a couple of weeks ago. That's good. It's done correctly. Actually, you know, it was it was fine. But, you know, we also had like the uh, very fancy meal. I had like the steak tartare. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not that I'm I'm like squeamish about eating uncooked. Un, un, you know, people have survived eating it uh, plenty. And, and same with sushi. It's just it doesn't taste like anything. Like, give me some seasoning or That's, something. Like, why do people love that? It's probably because you're eating corn, ethanol corn on the top. <laughs> You've it's destroyed my palate. You, yep. you have no taste buds left. Yep. All right. Well, I'll look forward to the 99 cent gas this summer. <laughs> Number two. Some U.S. universities reinstating indoor mask mandates no! on campuses. No! American University announced the mask is required beginning today in campus buildings. Others uh, re-implementing similar measures, Columbia, Georgetown, Johns Hopkins, and Rice, BA2 subvariant. Uh, and the city of Philadelphia, too. That's another one. I know they're not, it's not a university, but I'm just yeah. adding in that uh, mask Phil- mandate. The city of Philadelphia, or... indoor mask mandate. Right, indoor. Not... Well, that's what I was here I'm going to go ahead and just uh, opt out of this part of what's what's coming up. I can't here. do this. I can't. Do, I, uh, uh, every part of it. From the just doing it to the the fighting about it and the the constant, we haven't talked, Mark. We have, we had not talked about mask mandates on the show for so long. It's been so wonderful. It has. It's been so but, but delightful. You'll, you'll, you'll notice this. You still have your mask. I, still, I haven't worn mine for. I threw a few of mine out. I haven't worn it, but I carry it with me. Interesting. I don't even know where never, my first line first line masks even are right now. Never be never know when you'll oh, be called to a teacher college don't, class. Let's not do this. I've again. I've had to wear a couple masks recently because my fiance works at a um, at a medical place. So I still have to put one on if I take her coffee or have to go in and, and talk to her at all. Or if Millie's got a uh, doctor's appointment with her pediat pediatrician. This is not a policy statement. This is not an anything statement. It is just a begging of the universe and whatever higher power you believe in to please, let's not do this again. Please. Please and thank you. Number one. A new bill introduced in the California State Assembly would make the official work week 32 hours for companies with 500 or more employees nice. and require employers to pay time and a half. 
They work over 32. One of the bill's sponsors, Christina Garcia, told the L.A. Times employers would also be barred from reducing workers' pay because they are working less. California Chamber of Commerce called a proposal job killer. So what do you think? Oh, I can't imagine why any you know corporation that fits under this would want this. Well, of course. <laughs> uh, uh, obviously not. You're redu- uh, even well. You're going to be more productive. Uh, well, let me decide if I am or, or not. Yeah, but you're going to reduce twenty uh, percent of the productivity, the, the total productivity hours. Well, or you or you have to pay overtime for the extra um, with this. But I think the more interesting question is, I don't, this isn't going anywhere, but I don't think, especially nationally. But the question is, you get this, do you give yourself a three-day weekend every week, or do you take Wednesday off for a mini weekend in the middle of the week? I would be doing it just the opposite. I'd be taking a Friday-Monday off, and, right. then, and then the next week, that's a, work That's four, a four-day weekend. Well, I'd take, work Monday through Thursday, take Friday and Monday, and then work Tuesday through Friday. Oh, he's alternating. Oh, I don't know if that's allowable under this bill, Mark. <laughs> well, somebody better amendment amend it then. Uh, Mark Vail offering an amendment. All right. Thank you very much. That's and, it. And that amendment will fall two votes short of cloture. So <laughs> exactly. Uh, Morning Drive brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on KLIN. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. L-I-N. Now, it may be coincidence, it very well may be coincidence, but I believe every time I have booked our next guest in 2022, and many other previous years in the decade plus we've been doing this together, um, we seem to just stumble onto a... Uh, a, a pretty significant weather situation that is coming right down the pike. And it looks like perhaps we have done that again with Dr. Ken Dewey, our climate and weather guru, joining us right now on the Rickstein Recognition Hotline. Dr. Dewey, uh, listen, which we just have good timing or bad timing, depending on how you look at it. I don't know. And I put on social media this morning, it just seems so appropriate. Lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. As I look at the weather that's coming up, I think we're going to need an hour for my segment. Yeah, probably. Why don't we start with the short-term stuff, and then we can kind of go back and and pull back and look at the long-term stuff, because people are probably very interested on on what is going to happen today with their plans in the evening. Uh, Tell us what you are seeing right now with the latest projections in terms of the possibilities of severe weather tonight. All right. First of all, and I don't expect, I didn't, I don't think you're expecting me to say this at first. Our pollen levels are as high as they have been for years. Oh my right gosh. Now. So if people have spring allergies, you're going to notice it. Added to that, the high wind speeds. Added to that, the potential of smoke coming up from Kansas, which I hope they're not doing burns today. Um, and there's a high fire danger warning today as well. 
So it's it's just an annoying type day. First of all, the temperatures are going to soar to near 90, and one computer model puts us into the low 90s, which is record levels. So hey, low 90s, spring is here, not to worry. Uh-oh, we'll talk about that in a moment. Meanwhile, I'm looking at the 6 p.m. temperature map, 83 degrees in Lincoln. Wonderful. That's great. Yeah. Yep. 27 in Shadron. Whoa. And when you have that kind of a contrast and temperature tomorrow morning in the low teens in the panhandle, you can't bring in that much of a temperature change without the atmosphere reacting violently. And it will this afternoon. Now, is there anything good in what I'm seeing? Yes. Timing. Timing is everything with severe weather. Right now, it looks like the storms will fire up in central Nebraska, especially around Grand Island and all that late afternoon. But they're not going to reach Lincoln, according to the computer models, and they're pretty much in agreement, until this evening after about 7 o'clock. That will reduce our probability of a tornado. The storms are going to be moving quickly anyway, but there is still the highest risk is high wind speeds. Remember back in December when we had one of these huge changes where it went from almost record warmth and record warmth across areas of eastern Nebraska to 70, 80 mile an hour winds slamming through our area. That's what we're looking like, but not afternoon evening instead. And again, keep in mind, if anyone wants to travel by car or truck across Nebraska today, don't. <laughs> you mean we're talking 70 to 90 mile an hour winds, fast moving thunderstorms, and then beyond the winds, the next risk is hail. This is a hail producing system. When you have that much cold air stocked up to our west, slamming into these thunderstorms, it's going to cause raindrops to go up and down in the storm, picking up layers of ice and falling down as hail. So this will be our first hail event for eastern Nebraska. High winds to be sure. Rainfall maybe up to about an inch. There's there's not a zero probability of tornadoes, but it's pretty small. The further east we go, the more likely the weather will be more severe. Iowa is going to be really hit hard overnight. So that's the story of what's coming. Um, a dramatic change from near 90 today to temperatures tomorrow only in the upper 40s to low 50s. And temperatures by evening are going to be down below freezing in the panhandle, dropping to the lower teens by tomorrow morning. This is a dramatic weather event. The, yeah, the, j- just look at where, the way that temperature plummets, and you know something is is going on. But j- so then, just so summarize, we're talking t- timeline um, into the the early evening, and now it looks like p- probably the most significant impact would be would be hail. Correct. That is yeah. correct, and I, it's one of these storms where it'll probably be dark. It'll be maybe eight nine o'clock at night, and you'll start hearing some clunks outside. Now, hail does not occur over the entire region. Those are hail shafts, and they can be very narrow. With one neighborhood getting some hail and another neighborhood not. The the saving grace with that is it's not like the big storm a few years ago that occurred late afternoon with baseball yeah. size hail. Any hail that we have should be on the small side, and the rapidly moving storms means it won't hail like it did in Lincoln back in 2016 for an hour. Yeah, uh, we were just talking earlier in the show about how everybody in Lincoln seemed to get a new roof after that hail. So I'm hoping we're not all going to have to go through that process again. That'd be no, nice. I, I don't think so. Good. <laughs> very... nothing, nothing like that. So this is a very dramatic change, Jack. And it's interesting to see even in the seven-day forecast, the National Weather Service has the word. You don't want to hear it, though. No. Are you kidding me? 
No, I wouldn't kid you. Oh. I mean, I would. It's on April 1. Yeah. <laughs> it's not April 1. The National Weather Service official forecast for next Monday is a chance of rain and snow. Snow. Showers. On yeah. April 18th, on tax day. Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. Now, listen, the, the normal last freeze in Lincoln is around the 20th of April. So the fact that we're going to have nighttime lows Starting Friday morning, well, actually, look at that, Wednesday night, low of 27. Mm-hmm. Thursday morning, upper 20s, and then Friday morning, around 30, and then Saturday morning, upper 20s. It's not going to be impossible that we might see temperatures in the mid-20s. So yesterday, I went by two home improvement stores. What has that got to do with anything? It has to do with everything. People were happily buying up their tomato plants and all these other annuals, and I heard them saying, oh, let's get them into the ground this afternoon. It's going to be near 90. I'm not going to say 90. It's going to be in the 80s tomorrow. I restrained myself. I did not walk up to them and say, no, don't do that. Listen, this is not the time to plant annuals. One, the winds are going to be so strong it might rip them out of the ground this Mm -hmm. afternoon. And then we're going down into the 20s, all the way into next week. Yeah. So highs only in the 50s. They wouldn't grow when the temperature's in the 50s. And nighttime lows in the 20s, they're going to die. So this is just the last shot, we hope, of winter cold air. And if this was January, we'd be talking about feet of snow and temperatures below zero. But, yeah, we're coming up to the end of April. And, Jack, it's not a short-lived event. It's eight days of incredible cold with two surges, and then it kind of just dies off. With temperatures in the 70s and 80s up in southern Canada, Hey, they love that. Yeah. And then temperatures down here in the 50s and 60s. There's no sign of a warm-up for the next two weeks. Now, not, I think we'll stay above freezing after next week, which would be normal. And any snow that we get right now would be that stuff we saw last week, just snow showers and temperatures are and the ground is warm. And it's not going to be an accumulation, I hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah they, I'm leaving I, you speechless. I, I'm sorry. I know. I'm just. Well, I'm just thinking about how the the spring break destination for 2022 is uh, Manitoba. Uh, <laughs> and Jack, you know, we had to move our weather our weather fest because they moved the spring game. What a perfect weather event last Saturday was. Record yep, low of 20. Yeah. Got to 20 in the morning, but it was a great day. Can you imagine having the spring game this coming Saturday? Yeah. With wind chills in the 30s and it's cold. So, you know, and our weather fest, as you know, has moved all the way to fall. And let's let's save a moment here, too, that we can talk about weather camps. Yep. But for well, right now, what other questions do you have about yeah. impending storm other than lions, tigers, and bears? Oh, my. <laughs> no, I think that's about it. Just But looking forward, the timeline of things getting out of this cold. I mean, are looking end of next week that we might get into more, you know, spring cargo shorts type weather? Oh, you don't know if we're going to have a cargo a shorts alert. You know, it shows temperatures mid-60s, Friday the 22nd, so that would be a week from this Friday. We warm up out of the cold wave, but we don't get into real strong spring heat. Mm -hmm. 67, 71, 66, 64, and by then the normal high is around 70, so we're looking at temperatures just slightly below normal, but at least pleasant. All the nighttime lows are in the mid to upper 40s, so if we can get past all the way into next Tuesday morning, which has a forecast low of 25, so a week from today, a low of Mm -hmm. 25, and a high only in the upper 40s, then it will gradually warm, but it's going to take eight days to get away from this risk of frost and freeze. All right, eight days to finish 
this winter awful. You know, it's interesting, Dr. Dewey, looking back at the last month, I, I kept saying at the beginning of the winter when it was mild and through January, I said, we're going to get nailed in February. We're going to get nailed with winter. We never did. But we got maybe a more annoying sort of comeuppance uh, from from what was supposed to be spring in that it just... The, the nice days were so few and far between. The sunshine was so few and far between. The non-windy days were so few and far between. Was it a, an, an anomaly? Is this early spring been an anomaly, or, is, or am I just being whiny? <laughs> well, Jack, we're friends, so be careful with questions like that. <laughs> um, well, listen, it, April, first of all, is the windiest month of the year, climatologically. So we're experiencing that. And I've been outside, and... The weather, if it's not windy, it's been okay. It's in the 60s and 70s. But, boy, when it's windy, that 62 degrees can seem real cold. So it, it's interesting that December was so warm, but then each of the months, and people don't accept this, but January was colder than normal, February colder than normal, March is colder than normal, and April is going to be colder than normal. The colder than normal are the nighttime lows, which have been below normal. The daytime highs for all three months so far have been warmer than normal. So... The annoying part of it is actually, and that's what's delayed everything in the, in Lincoln by two weeks. The nights have been so cold, the trees and bushes and lawns and stuff don't know that it's spring. Yeah. They haven't gotten the word. And I've posted photos the last few days showing that, like, last year everything was in full blossom. Leaves are coming out in the trees. So the cold nights have kept the average temperatures below normal, and then the that has delayed the emergence of spring here. Yeah, and that and that was my next question for you. I, you know, I always kind of unofficially say mowing opening week is the same week as tax week. I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's going to be necessary for me, at least my lawn yet. And, and I wondered how far do we push back that, you know, that week that's always so nice with all the trees blossoming. Um, it looks like it'll be at least a little bit later this year. It'll be a little bit later. Plus, we're sending the signal back to all the plants. Hey, it's fall. It's getting colder, and and everything's going to slow down with highs in the 40s and 50s. The ground temperature has to be warmer for it to gener- uh, germinate uh, lawn seeds, so don't even put any of that out yet. Yeah. Um, and the gardens will just sit there waiting. The lawns are going to slow down in their growth now because it's going to be a cold eight days ahead of us. Then things are going to go rapidly. Obviously, a couple of weeks from now, we should be well into spring. And, Jack, you know, I hate to say this, but I think this is because I run the risk of being wrong, but I think this is it. Um, okay. you know, this is, I don't see anything after this blast of cold air. And, you know, we're not north, but up in North Dakota and South Dakota, they will have a major spring blizzard out of this event. <laughs> but that's hundreds of miles to our north. Yep. I don't so care. Don't Let them have it. That's, that's what you get for living in North Dakota. Real quick, uh, I know you want to talk about an uh, event coming up for summer for kids. Tell us a little bit about this summer weather camp. Well, first of all, we have delayed it for two years because of the pandemic, but we're back on now, and June 12th through 17th is our UNL weather camp, and this is for kids. I've had some emails of this for adults. No, it's for kids, and they have to be entering high school this fall or all the way through high school ages through they graduated last May from high school. These are It's a residential camp. They'll stay in a dorm. They have activities of an evening. All meals are provided, and they will immerse themselves with other what we call weather nerds and spend the entire week learning all about weather science. And it's I'm offering a reduction in the cost of $100 scholarships for anyone who applies 
the rest of this week. So it's an announcement wow. I'm making on the radio. Anyone who, who applies um, from today through this Friday, I will reduce the fee by $100 so that I can fill the weather camp. And the, the one thing that the kids say when we have weather camp is, I didn't know there were other kids out there just like me. So this is a kind of a, a weather fan club, if you will. That's cool. And so please go to Lincoln Weather and you'll see lincolnweather.unl.edu and you will find a link and announcement right at the very top. And if you want to, you can go to lincolnweather.unl.edu slash weathercamp. But the quickest and easiest way is just go to my home website, lincolnweather.unl.edu. And remember to follow my updates both on KDewey1 uh, on, on on Twitter and also on Dewey Weather on Facebook. Great. Uh, great discount announced here. All right, Dr. Dewey, uh, we'll talk to you again next month when I'm sure a significant weather day is coming. Have a good one. You too. And stay safe, everyone. Dr. Ken Dewey on KLIN. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. An economic conversation for our city and upcoming events with the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce on LNK Today. All right, a couple of quick notes here. Uh, accident on South 56 and Highway 2, three vehicle accidents. So watch for slowdowns there. Ooh, I bet that's fun. Um, and then again, Keep uh, keep near your radio or your phone with the KLIN app for the uh, evening. It is looking likely uh, that severe weather may impact the capital city. Hail the most likely issue after our conversation with Dr. Ken Dewey. Uh, early evening to mid-evening hours is the timeline when we're looking at that. And just the old typical, you know, 30-degree weather change over the course of like 60 minutes. But, you know, you're in Nebraska. What do you expect? Jason Ball, you came back to Nebraska. What do you expect? That's, <laughs> that's part of the charm of the state. That's my story, I and guess, I'm sticking to it. I, I guess so. Jason Ball from the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. How's it going? Welcome back. It's fantastic. It's Thank little, you for uh, having me in. Yeah. 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 Let, let's start. Let's start with some legislative stuff, just because that's been at the top of the news so often. And and one of the the, the bills that we've been talking a lot in the news, one of the bills I know that you've had uh, uh, an interest in, is the the big tax reform bill. Yeah. And the last couple of times we talked, you know, it didn't. I didn't know what was going to happen with it. It was hard to tell politically what was going to happen with the thing. Ends up getting through with some changes on an overwhelming vote. I guess first, just your your general reaction to the final version of the bill and the impact from a chamber perspective. Yeah, well, the chamber's thrilled about this. So it was the tax package that ended up being passed in LB873, and that's the individual and corporate income tax reductions along with uh, income tax credits, uh, available to be paid against your property tax. So there's property tax right. relief component to it. Um, and this is a package that we have supported from, uh, from its initial announcement in, in the governor's office. We worked with, uh, the state chamber, the Omaha chambers to get it across the line and, and, uh, thank our Lincoln delegation for ending up supporting it, uh, when it was finally passed on a 43 to zero vote. How real is this, you know, one of the big conversations around this is recruiting businesses, especially into Nebraska, into Lincoln. 
how real is that sort of thing when when you're looking at that kind of uh, competition with other neighboring states? Yeah, it it absolutely matters, yeah. particularly when you're talking to businesses, because every business that's looking at making uh, an investment in Nebraska or an investment in Lincoln, they are going to check and find those those rates and then back calculate based on the components of their project what that's going to look like. Now, once a business is here and they're expanding, those things certainly do matter, but they're they're already invested in the state. Um, I think when it when we get to individuals, it it varies by by individual. It varies by the specific opportunity and industry that they're they're in and considering moving to Nebraska for. But there are no doubt people that that check. And again, we're in a competitive environment uh, surrounded by states that all have a lower uh, income tax scenario than than we do. Uh, Iowa just uh, reduced theirs, and of course, we have mm-hmm. two neighbors that have zero. So, right. um, you know that that matters a lot when people are looking for for where to go so i i do think this will will help um we are very excited and, and appreciate the support and leadership of of the governor and our delegation and because across the line you you're in texas they don't they don't have income tax right they do in not texas. have income tax in texas. yeah i was just curious what kind of the what that was like how you, you know how that impacts not only individuals but also corporations decisions to make locations i'm sure you deal dealt with that all the time around rock yeah so so there's a few things in in texas to, to keep in mind and every every state's different um one i can promise you there are people in texas right now complaining about their taxes so um not, it's not all hunky-dory there on no, the tax front i i hate uh, i hate to say like it. some land of milk and honey that's for right ta- okay that's right no people there are just like folks everywhere they're they're frustrated about taxes for various and different kinds of reasons one of the reasons that Texas has been able to have a zero income tax and corporate income tax is because they have such a large oil industry. And so they're, they're backfilling, I think, what most states that don't have a whole lot of oil exploration uh, with taxes on, on the oil industry, and that's to the great benefit of this, the state. And so mm-hmm. that's one of the capabilities. Same thing with, you know, for example, Wyoming with the coal extraction that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's taxes on that and allows the state to have a zero percent income tax rate. So that there's, there's just different components you got to get into the detail of how how's this really going to look on an individual yeah, I always state want, that's basis. interesting i always i always kind of wonder about uh, those states and what the impact is of course the debate when you ha- talk about something like this is it's a revenue decline i mean it has impacts on state revenues when when you decrease taxes and mm-hmm. that can have various impacts one of which is potentially quality of life all of those sorts of things uh, how do you weigh that Obviously, there's a cost-benefit analysis that goes into this. Absolutely. I think anytime you're going to uh, propose cutting a tax, you need to do the math. I think anytime uh, you're going to propose adding a program, you need to say, where's that money going to come from? And if that's going to be tax-funded, where what impacts might that have? You just mm-hmm. need to do the clear-eyed analysis. And in our, our view in this session, and again, our, our shop was, was involved in a whole lot of early dialogue about this, and then we, we paid attention to the estimates that came out through the the state through the course of uh, uh, the bill, um, you know, we, we feel like this is an appropriate thing to do given the state of our, our economy now. Now, uh, I think what folks need to remember is it's not just a flip the switch bill, right? Mm-hmm. We're not we're not seeing this go from from zero to full implementation tomorrow mm-hmm. or whenever the governor signs the bill. Um, you know, this is going to be implemented over a, a course of years now. The economy may change. The a future legislative body may choose based on, I hope economic conditions stay strong, but if economic conditions worsen and they say, look, this is not the right time to continue following through, they, they may pause it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at the same time, I think it's a, it, it boils down to a state competitiveness issue. We need to be clear eyed that, that people have choices about where to live. Businesses have choices about where to locate. We need to remain competitive if we want to see our community and our economy. Grow. Well, because it, it, it's interesting because there are some people who are probably opponents of this saying, well, this doesn't, this does a lot for the high earners. This does a lot for corporations and those sorts of things. And that obviously goes to what you're talking about with competitiveness. But, you know, that's something you think about when you talk again, you talk about quality of life. You yeah. talk about people wanting to be here in the state and in the city. How did how do you look at that? I mean, it, and maybe it's just a deal where, OK, if if you're when you're talking about the competitiveness to bring these corporations in to bring these people in, the reality is they're in those tax brackets. But how do you how do you kind of think about that issue, I guess? Well, I would push back a little bit on the notion that this only benefits high income earners. Uh, the, the top tax rate for Nebraska kicks in at a very middle class wage level. And and so there are a lot of uh, single filers or families, um, and I believe it kicks in for a single filer at about $40,000 of, of income and $80,000 for a family of two, so to an income household. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that... There are many, many, many families that would not consider themselves highly wealthy that are going to benefit from this. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is, is those, those folks that are, are paying in, uh, most of the highest portion of, of tax rate. Um, that's where the, the majority of our, our, our taxes are coming from. So if we were to, uh, focus on tax relief at lower income levels, and by the way, the chamber likes reducing tax burden, that is something our organization will take a look at i think most of the legislature would take like to take a look at but the 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 impact of doing so um will be very meaningful for those families but on the state not not quite as large of a swing as this package it was was. pretty stunning to see the final vote on that just in terms of the unanimity on the whole thing including you know locally lancaster county senators and and that whole thing so it ended up getting a lot of support as they were kind of crafting it uh things that are still kind of on on the table or have been discussed the arpa funds um you know there there's a whole lot there have been a whole lot of discussions about where those go do they go particular parts of the state they go particular projects and those sorts of things what are sort of the potential uses for that that are are most interesting to you? Yeah, well, so uh, one, I think if you put ten people in a room and said, "Here's the the entire ARPA allocation for the state of Nebraska," you know, you tell us how to use it. You're going to get ten different answers. No two people are going to mm-hmm. cobble this together the same. And you know, that's part of the benefit of having a, a deliberative body like the folks that serve in the legislature to to really think through that. And and I want to give credit uh, in particular to the finance. Committee committee. Um, I think they did a really good job in, in, in walking through both the budget and the uh, ARPA allocation that, that, that we worked through in this session. And, and um, you know, they, they did a great job with it. A lot of, lot of trade-offs there. And so I'm not going to, to criticize any of the decisions that, that were made. I will say that, that Lincoln um, r- really made our case and we focused on things that are relevant to people. So it's allocations for ARPA to study a second source of water mm. for the, the city. That's going to be huge for us in the, in the long run. Mm-hmm. Allocations for ARPA dollars from the state to support uh, expanded housing, which goodness knows uh, this, this market needs. Uh, technology uh, expansion. Megasite development is another thing that we have been very involved in. 
getting back to state competitiveness issues, we need more large sites uh, to bring businesses here. Um, And then internship programs. Um, Southeast Community College, all the community colleges in the state uh, received a huge allocation this year. And so so those investments, uh, by and large, in our view, are going to places that are going to accrue to the great benefit, uh, both of Lincoln and of the entire state. Uh, Jason Marvin, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce with us. I know there's also a bill regarding um, the Lincoln Airport or that have an impact on the Lincoln Airport. Give us kind of an update on, on that, what it would have, what it does and, and where it's at right now. Yeah, so so for folks that are keeping score at home, it's LR283CA. Um, and it's basically a proposal for a constitutional amendment that's going to authorize any city or county county that operates an airport to use its airport revenue to provide uh, guarantees to new air service coming in and and folks that haven't uh, had an opportunity to you know really hear how this industry works when it's talking about expansion whether you're a big airport a small airport or a new airport um no air service is just going to come in and accept all the risk Mm -hmm. uh, in their view. What they want communities like Lincoln and others to do is to say, look, if this flight only fills up 50% of its seats, we're going to cover the the rest of the seats in in, in that flight. Now, Lincoln has a history of having full flights. If you've flown out of the the Lincoln airport here recently, those, those flights are going out full on connections. Um, Including, by the way, the Delta flights that were just just pulled back. Yeah, the Minneapolis one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's it's a very difficult macro environment, particularly for Lincoln. Pilot, the pilot shortage is a wave of retirements that were brought about when uh, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And airlines, because they're cutting back on flights, one of the ways that they did that is they offered a lot of their most experienced pilots uh, early retirement packages. Many of them took that because yeah. they did not know when that industry was coming back. Yeah. So so part of our problem is that macro environment. Back to the bill, which you asked about. Yeah. Um, no, that's interesting, though. Yeah. But but this, this would give you a, a backstop when it is about not getting the the flights filled it's correct? it's yeah. going to give us more alternatives to to put together better packages to increase our increase our flight diversity so we're very excited about it uh bruce boyer our executive vice president and legislative council did a great job with um it. real quick i want to ask about fast forward fun uh, some people i think people know about and maybe an expansion that you you might like to see tell us a little bit about that yeah so so recently duncan aviation announced an expansion at their aircraft maintenance facilities uh uh back in in march uh it's going to add seven Five new jobs. Uh, I believe it's it's a forty million dollar construction project, and it's going to happen. By the way, uh, in the, that airport environment, and bring higher and better use to to those facilities there. So we we celebrate that. We think it's a great deal. We worked with them to access some uh, resources that are available for those types of expansions through the state, but they also uh, receive some uh, benefit from what's called the fast forward fund. Uh, fast forward fund um, prior to that allocation uh, was a five million dollar. Um, pool of, of resource uh, mm-hmm. designed to uh, help businesses uh, locate in Lincoln and expand. And the, the, the thing that I wanted to talk about today, if I could, is just the importance of having those incentive tools available. Um, it, it, when it gets back to competitiveness, um, fast forward is our only non-tax increment finance 
uh, incentive tool that we can apply to projects or create a whole lot of jobs. Right. And so, um, you know, folks have rightly been, you know, wanting to understand that tool better, see if, if there are many business owners out there right now that are wondering if they can access it. Our, our office is, is here to help them. But, you know, the primary criteria is that uh, 50% or more revenue is derived by sales that are going out of the state. And that uh, for the jobs you create, they're paying at 120% of the county average. Wow. So they're good, solid jobs with benefits. All right. Hey, i got to run, Jason. I appreciate the conversation. We'll talk to you uh, in a couple weeks, all right? Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber. It's 855 on KLIN. Want today's top news stories? Top Husker stories? You can get them sent straight to your inbox every afternoon. Just sign up for the daily for free at KLIN.com.